Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Every single Christian is a work in progress. And we need to know that for the benefit of people around us. We need to know that for our own benefit as well. Because we can oftentimes be impatient, especially with others. But we can also become impatient and discouraged in our own process. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of Mark. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Mark, chapter 8, verses 22 through 26, in a message titled, A Work in Progress. Now, here's Pastor Brian. In the first 10 verses of the chapter, we have the recording of the feeding of the 4,000. Now, perhaps you remember just not too long ago, we looked at the feeding of the 5,000. That's recorded back in the sixth chapter. And these are two miracles where uh, they're very very similar. It's basically just um, the numbers of people that were fed are different. And so Mark records the feeding of the 4,000, and we don't need to go into any detail on that because I think we did that pretty thoroughly when we looked at the feeding of the 5,000. So we're going to pick up in verses 11 through 21, and then really more specifically today, look at verses 22 through 26. But just in verses 11 through 21, we see that Jesus warns his followers to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herod. Here in Mark's gospel, it says the the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And in Matthew's parallel passage, it's beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so these were religious parties, political parties, and the Sadducees and and the Herodians were pretty closely linked to one another. So Mark just kind of blends the two into the one reference to Herod. And so, as I said, we're going going to focus in on the story of the healing of this blind man. I want to look at the details of that. But a quick word before we do that on the, the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So Jesus warns them about uh, what he called the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, and now here again, this is where the parallel passage helps us a little bit. Mark doesn't tell us exactly what Jesus was referring to, but Matthew does. Jesus was referring to the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he's warning his followers about their teaching. Now, you know, the, the irony with the Pharisees is like they were the Bible people of the day. I mean, they, they were the ones that prided themselves in knowing the scriptures. But the irony is that the very one that the scriptures spoke of is standing right in front of them and they can't, they can't see that he's the savior. They can't see that he's the Messiah. Je- Jesus even says to them at one point, he says, you, you do search the scriptures because 
in them, you think you have life, but they testify about me and you won't come to me. So that's kind of the crazy thing that they were, they were the Bible people, but they missed the Lord. And so they were spiritually proud. They were self-righteous and they were basically just legalist for them. It was all literally about the letter of the law. And that was a teaching that Jesus said that the, his followers were to be aware of. Now, now the Sadducees, and we'll just blend the Herodians in with them because they're very similar. The Sadducees were much more political in one sense. They were the priestly elite and they were in league with the Herodians who were the, the, the political people. They were in league with the Romans. Uh, so they were the politically powerful, the theological liberals, and they were anti-supernatural elitist. And so Jesus says, beware of the leaven. Now, leaven, as we know from some other passages in scripture, and as we just, you know, of course, all the ladies know about leaven because you, you cook with it. And, and Jesus made the point, a little leaven, or Paul made the point, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So, so the idea is uh, be careful and watch out for their teaching because like leaven, if you let a little bit of it in, it will permeate the whole thing. And so what is Jesus warning his followers about? He's really warning them to beware of legalism on the one hand and liberalism on the other hand. And, and that battle is still the same battle that we fight today. You have this same kind of division, in a sense, in the, the broader church world. You have those who are the legalist, the lo, the, those who are all about, you know, the letter of the law, so to speak. They're, they're the ones who are hypercritical and judgmental, and we alone know the true interpretation of Scripture, and anyone who disagrees with us, we will roundly condemn them. That's one end of the spectrum. And then at the other end, you've got the liberal. And the liberal is the person who says, well, you know, the Bible is... You know, the Bible can be helpful, but we certainly can't take it literally because, you know, it's written by men and it's filled with mistakes. And after all, God would never have commanded these things or required this and that and the other things. So we're Christians. We love God, but the Bible is not really that helpful or that necessary to us. We, we you know, we can figure it out ourselves using philosophy and things like that. So those are the two things that Jesus warned them about. And they're warnings that are, as I said, they're relevant for us today. And so that's just a, the quick word on that, just to kind of remind ourselves of that ever-present danger of those two things. But like I said, what I really want to focus on today is the story that we find in verses 22 through 26. So let me read them to us again. So then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand 
and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Uh, Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. So just quick note, this, this took place in Bethsaida. I don't know that we've even spoken much about Bethsaida in our study here, but Bethsaida was a city on the Galilee. If you go to Israel today, which we recommend that you do sometime with us. But anyway, if you go to Israel today, you can go to, uh, you can go to Capernaum, right there on the sea. That's where Jesus had his base. You can go now to Magdala. They have excavated Magdala. It's very beautiful. One of the great sites there. Bethsaida, nobody really, even to this day, really knows exactly where Bethsaida was. Although they do know that it was on the northern end of the sea and that the Sea of Galilee uh, at one time extended probably a mile further inland than it does today. And Bethsaida was located at the northern tip of Galilee. So when you go on an Israel tour today, they will tell you about Bethsaida. But as of yet, they haven't been able to really pinpoint exactly where it was. So I would imagine that uh, sometime they will discover it. They are continuing to discover new things all over the land. So one of these days, I'm sure, we'll get to go visit Bethsaida. So, so that's where that happened. And this is the place where um, a couple of the disciples of Jesus were from, Bethsaida. And so he came to this place. And so they, they brought him this blind man and begged him to touch him. So remember the man that we looked at previously in our last study, the man who wasn't able to speak, the man who couldn't hear, wasn't able to speak. Remember how Jesus did something a little bit out of the ordinary there. He pulled him aside. And so we see Jesus doing the same thing with this man. So he takes him aside by the hand. He leads him outside of the town and then just as Jesus spit and touched the man's tongue, now again, we find that Jesus spits once again on his eyes and he puts his hand on him and he asked him if he saw anything. Now, this is an unusual method compared, you know, most, as, as we pointed out previously, most of the thing, the, the miracles that Jesus performed, he performed them either by simply saying, let it be so, or you know, just a simple touch, and the person was healed. And, and so now we have a second example of an unusual method. Now, now, this is one of the most interesting miracles for the obvious reason that unlike all other miracles Jesus performed, this one was progressive, rather than instantaneous. And so it is just the whole picture is another one of those out-of-the-box moves by Jesus. Now, the immediate lesson is, as we've already considered, 
previously, God does things in a variety of ways. That's once again, a reminder. He's, he's not gonna be restricted by what we think he ought to do. God does things in a variety of ways. And even a miraculous healing can take place in stages rather than immediately. Now, this is important for us to know just practically because I think most of the time in our minds when we're thinking about the possibility of a miraculous healing, and by the way, we do believe that God still heals people today miraculously. And so when we think of miraculous healings, though, I think we normally think of something instantaneous. So somebody's afflicted, they come and they say, you know, can you pray for me? Yeah, let's pray for a miracle. Let's just pray that God will heal you. And, and so we do that. And our expectation is that right there on the spot, they're going to be healed. And that, that might be the case because, of course, that happened with Jesus on several occasions. But this is just a reminder that it might not work exactly like that. That it might be that a process is put in motion at this point and God is the one who begins the process and God is the one who is going to carry the process through to the end. And so Jesus touches the man. Now, again, I think this is just purely uh, an educational moment. Was it like Jesus touched him and he was only partially healed and Jesus was like, oh gosh, I didn't exert enough power there. Okay, hold on, let me, let, let me try it again. Okay, got it this time. Of course it wasn't that. It was for our understanding. He's teaching us something. And again, he's teaching us that he works through processes. So the man is blind. And the next phase is he can see, but things are blurry. Sees men like trees walking. And then ultimately, everything is clear. And so... Maybe you've been asking God for a healing. And maybe you've even sensed that God has spoken to you, that he's going to do that. Or, or maybe you've even sensed that that, that is initiated, but, but yet still you're like, well, I, you know, yeah, I, I feel like I'm maybe healed, but I don't know, not, maybe not quite yet. Well, that could very well be the case. That might be this same kind of thing that you're experiencing. So, so rejoice in that and, and just rest and wait for the Lord to complete what he has started. So that's the, I think, like I said, I think that's the immediate lesson. But, but there's a bigger picture here for us to consider. And the bigger picture is that God, his work in us is progressive. So I've given this message the title, A Work in Progress. A work in progress. You know, that is what every single Christian is. Every single Christian is a work in progress. And we need to know that for the benefit of people around us. We need to know that for our own benefit as well. Because we can oftentimes be impatient, especially with others. But we can also 
become impatient and discouraged in our own process. We seem to be making little progress and we can become greatly discouraged over that. So we need to know that that this is the way it is. And I think probably everyone has heard a story, at least one story about somebody who came to faith and they were, you know, like a criminal and they, they were like the worst sinner imaginable and they just seemed to have received Jesus and overnight they just became like the perfect Christian. And here you are, you know, you've been a Christian for a long time and you're just kind of puttering along the road of sanctification, feeling like you're never going to get there and wondering like, you know, what's the matter with me? Am I even really a Christian? Because that hasn't happened in my life. Anybody ever feel that way? You don't have to raise your hand, but I, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that we've all felt that way at times. But what we need to know is that we are all a work in progress. J.C. Ryle, he said this. He said, conversion or regeneration, I put in regeneration. It's, you know, that, that, that moment of when salvation takes place. Conversion is instant. A change from darkness to light, from blindness to seeing the kingdom of God. That happens just like that. Yet, few, he said, converted people see things distinctly at first. The history of thousands of God's children is they begin by seeing men as trees walking. It's true. You see, this is true. And it's just, this is reality. This is, this is the way it really is. And I can't tell you how many books I have read over the years that left me with the impression that somehow I just wasn't getting that one thing that I needed to get so I could get through this whole sanctification process into spiritual perfection. There's tons of books that are written on that. But you know, it's not even really true. It's chasing after this thing that is really unattainable. And it, it leaves people, it's, it's an unhealthy thing really, because it, it turns you into either a, a judgmental, hypercritical person because you think you've advanced so much further than anybody, everybody else and you can't figure out why it's taking them so long. And you even wonder if anybody around you is really saved. <laughs> and, and you know, I had this friend who, who had this mentality and, you know, I, I'll never forget one time we're, we're having a conversation about a mutual friend that we had who, of course, they were a believer, but, you know, they were having some struggles and, and we're having this conversation. And, and toward the end of the conversation, this friend of mine looks at me and he says about the other friend, he says, you know, I don't even know if they're really saved. And I'm just like, what? Yes, they are saved, you know, but, but in, in his mind, again, it was this kind of mentality that it's just not based in reality. It's like a deeper life theology, you know, that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get to this place. And let me tell you this. Yes, you're going to get there. You are going to get there when you have died and gone to heaven. 
That's when you are going to get there. You're going to get there when your body of sin is shed and you get your glorified body. That's when you're going to get there. But until then, we're all a work in progress. There's a process that God is bringing every one of us through. And so, since that is reality, we need to have patience with others in the process. We need to give God space to work in people's lives. Now, listen, the guy that I was just describing, not the per- my friend that I was talking about, but the person that I was describing that you know, is very impatient about everybody's sanctification, I was that person. I was that person as a pastor for years. In my younger years, there was just this sense like, you know, everybody's going too slow. Everybody's got to speed up. You know, is anybody really spiritual like me? Come on, let's get it together. And I learned the hard way. You know, one day God just put the mirror right in front of me and said, why don't we work on you for a while and let me work on everybody else. Uh, Let's just concentrate on you. But You see, we have to give God space to work because what I was going to say is what I have learned over these many years now of pastoring is that God is taking people through a process. And sometimes it's it's just so much slower than I would think it should be. But nevertheless, God is bringing them through it. And so now... Where I might have previously heard of somebody and, you know, they're in the process and I might have even at that point questioned like, well, are they really even in the process? Come on. You know, now I would just more look at it and say, well, praise the Lord that that's where they're at. Cheryl and I were talking about a mutual acquaintance, a friend of one of our children who, you know, just has recently expressed things about experiences with the Lord. Now, this person is still, you know, far from where they need to be, but, but we just rejoiced in where they're at in the process right now. You know, C.S. Lewis spoke about a friend to a mutual friend, and he described that friend who wasn't yet a believer, C.S. Lewis described him as this. He said, he's in the net. He's in the net. And it's just a matter of time before God pulls him into shore. And so when we heard about this particular person, that's our sense. He's in the net. And and the Lord's going to bring him in. And so when we realize that we are all a work in progress, it helps us to be patient with others in the process, giving God space to work. But listen, it also helps us to have patience with ourselves. I talk to people sometimes, and my heart breaks for them, because they live under this pressure, and they live under this constant guilt of failing God. And what they've basically done, and they don't even know it, They've, they've put a burden on themselves that God hasn't put on them. And I do think also sometimes other Christians can put those burdens on others. 
for the month of July, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. Deconstructed faith stories are being celebrated in our culture today. Abuse in the church, dismissed doubts, legalism, and suffering are only a handful of factors that are leading Christians to question their faith. In her book, Another Gospel, Elisa Childers shares her own journey of doubt and struggle that led her to re-examine her own faith and ultimately overcome the challenges of her faith. In this book, she battles progressive Christianity with evidence, insight, and clarity. To learn how to combat and survive the onslaught of progressive Christianity, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order another gospel by Elisa Childers. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of Mark. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.